Welcome to the best part of your day, living in the present moment now. I am your host, Lotus Sang, and today I welcome Natalie Berry B. Hi, Lotus. Thank you so much for having me. The topics we're going to be talking about is about letting go of perfection. We're going to talk about your craft and your artistic journey. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? So I, um, I came to Canada in 2009 and that was kind of like a really big breakthrough because I could never be an artist back in Poland, right? That was never a career option that would be possible. So when I came here, I kind of, I went to high school I, and then I was like, okay, like what do I do with myself, right? So I went to a craft college and that's kind of where my journey started. And I kind of went through different diplomas, went to OCAD, graduated in 2016. And then from then on, like uh, my career kind of took off and I started working as an illustrator for many years. Um, and then um, in short, I went to grad school after that. And now I'm an art therapist. That's amazing. Yeah. That's Thank exciting. You. I love that. And what inspired you to pursue a career in this field and how is that passion uh, grown over time. Art and psychotherapy for me are so completely interlinked. Like there is no separation there. It has to coexist, at least in my world. So I've always been very artistic. I always played with um, with art as a child, but it kind of got weeded out of me in school. Like I think it does for a lot of people, right? And then I had this big opportunity to go back to it, and so I did. It's kind of like falling in love with something that you always knew you loved but falling back in love with it. Um, and it took me all of many, many years to get to a point where I'm at now, and I'm excited to see where it goes in the future. But like being comfortable with my art expression and then finding a way to like combining with mental health, mm -hmm. that, is, that is ultimately what I'm all about. And I'm, I'm so glad that, that I got to this point. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of you as well, and I'm oh, so glad that you. we're in the same journey together. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you talked about your artist's um, expression. What mediums do you use? I feel like I, I go in sections. So like, as an illustrator, I use a lot of digital design. Mm -hmm. So I will work on my iPad and everything is very precise and kind of like organized, right? For murals, I will use latex paint. So it's like nice and thick and covers really well and you can kind of like go over it and there's no way of messing up. And then for my own expression, I kind of experiment with all kind of stuff like markers, crayons, paint. It's just whatever feels right at a given time. You know how we go through the seasons, right? So each season of my year, um, emotionally, I feel like I go through a different media and that really correlates to like the emotional well-being or like any kind of struggles I'm going through. Mm -hmm. And you're very in tune with your wellness and you know when to express those different ways. Like, I love that. Yeah, I feel like the artistic medium that you choose, I believe like it's 100% aligned with what you have to get out on an emotional level. In art therapy, we talk about the spectrum of media right from like very concrete to very fluid i'm kind of like always trying to find the balance of do i want to do clay am i ready for that now like is that going to support my emotional well-being in this moment to express what i have to express or am i going to stick with something very concrete like a pen mm -hmm. right just to get a little bit of con more control out of my day cool i love that about you are you currently in a job that aligns with your passion and your values yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really lucky, you know, this doesn't really happen to, to everyone, mm -hmm. but I was very stubborn going out of OCAD, so after graduation, I, I decided that, you know what, like, 
there's no way I'm not gonna be an artist. They tell you it's rare to actually be able to pursue a full-time career in art after graduation. But I was like, I, I was adamant. I work full-time as an artist. I work full-time as a therapist. So it kind of like combines, right, all together. In Poland, I never would have pursued this career. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be a doctor. Oh, interesting. I was in math, phys, chemistry, biology. Like that's what I was going to do. My other option was to become an English teacher, right? Mm. So when you think about becoming an artist, it's like, oh, it's a completely different world. It's like I entered a new dimension and I was able to pursue what's really aligning on the inside. I don't think I would have been as happy as I am now in those other fields. I think generally there's a lot of stigma when it comes to being an artist. People look at you like, oh, you got paint in your pants. like. When I'm painting murals, I'm covered in paint. And it's kind of like people don't really understand that this can be a full-time job. Mm -hmm. People think that you're just playing around, doing a hobby, volunteering. And to me, that's really demeaning mm -hmm. because I don't go to your dentist's office and I don't tell you how to do your work or if you're volunteering, right? It's the same thing when you're painting a public mural. So I think at this point, people do it less, uh, maybe because I just don't have a lot of F's to give at this point um, when it comes to people judging me because I know what I'm doing. Creating art is very vulnerable. It's like your artistic expression that's on the line. Absolutely. What brings you a sense of purpose and meaning in life? I've been thinking about that and it's the fact that I want to help people heal and grow and that I stand by that. And it's my personality type, it's what I've been through, it's my past, it's all of that is bringing me to this value. That gives me the most purpose to see people grow to be able to see my clients in my psychotherapy career, to be able to say like, I don't need therapy anymore. Amazing, I'm so glad I didn't need, I don't want you to sit in therapy for years. I want you to feel like you can go out into the world and now try your skills. And I was there for, for your journey. I wouldn't feel as meaningful living without that. And then the other chunk is being able to just sit and paint and feel and paint and, and just express what it is that I need to express. Whether I share it with others or not is like one thing. It doesn't really hold as much value anymore, but being able to feel and then put it out on paper and see that it's there and then see the journey, that's everything for me. And I love that you talked about like the process work as well. For me as a consumer, like I love seeing that as an artist because you made it very raw as well. Like this took this many steps to like get to the final product. And like oftentimes there's a lot of trial and error that like comes to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if I can say anything, is that to let your painting grow and evolve in its journey. It doesn't have to, you don't have to go from A to B in a straight line. Mm -hmm. That line can, like, go like this, and then you go back, and then you get somewhere, and then you feel like it's done. But maybe it's not done. Maybe in five years you want to do it again. So it's like the journey. Can we enjoy slowing down and being with the journey with the artwork instead of like being so goal oriented? A lot of the focus in school is like you just get it done. I want to bring that like aspect of being playful and journeying with your artwork until you feel like it's it's gotten to a point where you don't want to go anymore. And part of like the reward is the artistic journey as well. Letting go of this perfection, this expectation that like as an artist, you feel like you have to produce the best work yep. and each one has to be this certain level of standard or else it's not worth doing. I think we all have that inner dialogue mm -hmm. and it's normal. I just want to say it out there. And I think that's another journey of being able to listen because it's, it's about like, okay, do I have this critical voice that tells me I have 
have to be perfect. And if you break it down, this critical voice is trying to protect you from disappointment, failure, pain, stigma. We kind of sit down, we do a thing, and then the voice says it's not good enough, and then we give up. But what if we kind of invite that voice in, accept it? Okay, you're a part of me. Thank you so much for trying to protect me for all these years. I wonder if we can reevaluate our relationship. Do you think you're necessary in this one sketch I'm doing? So inviting that in, stop pushing it away, stop fighting it. I think that's a really big aspect of being able to kind of let go. Because once that critical voice kind of shushes down, you'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, another sketch. Who cares? I'm going to make a hundred more, right? And one of them might be amazing. Maybe not, but I'm getting somewhere, I'm going somewhere. And I think a part of teaching that critical voice that it's okay, it's like creating safety in your body, creating safety in your art process. And in order to do that, you have to do it a lot and a little bit every day. It's not something you can figure out in a week. It's gonna be years of practice, right? So tiny little bits and pieces that build on that personal freedom. Essentially, we all have like that inner child that like just wants to come out and play and like wants to like create, you know, fun art. I love that you use like mediums like crayons and stuff because that was so fun for me when I was doing that workshop with you. It's nice to just channel that inner side of you. Oh, absolutely. And going back to that childhood experience, right? Mm -hmm. Because why not? Because if we're always trying to say, okay, forget about the inner child. I'm only going to do oil painting and it's only going to be photorealistic and it's only going to be perfect. And I have to get an A+. Plus, and I have to get societal approval. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. I have to show up a certain way. You're forgetting about your playful side. And you're kind of like you're here and then the child that is always there. Mm-hmm. This is a big th- part of my therapy practice too. And how it links to art making is we all have these parts. And as you said, we all have that inner kid or many inner children at different ages, right? But that, if you can tune into that inner kid that is very creative, that had no fear, that had this imagination, if you can make a safe space for that child to feel like, yes, it's okay to, t- to use crayons, it's okay to mess up, it's okay to make a hundred different drawings and, and be playful. Uh, and as an adult, to teach that kid that it's safe to do that and nobody's gonna criticize them, that's like you attuning to your authentic self. And I think there's nothing that I value more actually than being authentic and being able to show up in that way mm-hmm. in every aspect of your life. Yeah, showing up as who you are and like creating art just for you and yeah. like how you express yourselves. That is lovely. How do you cultivate more of that in your daily routine? Yeah, so I, I have a very specific, like a daily routine. Like obviously as a, as a person who owns two businesses, it's like every day is different and you have to make your own schedule, which is actually kind of cool because that means I get to choose when I'm working, right? And in my daily routine, nature is a really big aspect of it. So every day I will go out, uh, every morning I'll go out for a walk. Sometimes I take my art supplies, you know, I just go out, go sit in nature, enjoy it in peace and quiet try to channel some kind of like an energetic idea of what it is that you're feeling in the art making so nature and art and then having like a little ritual is that your coffee in the morning can you put your phone aside and not look at it and just kind of sit with that 
and enjoy the smell, enjoy the birds, and enjoy the way the leaves are rustling in the wind, and just sit there. Like give yourself, I don't know, half an hour, right? So that's like my bare minimum that I have to do. And then later at night, I'll do another art practice, but more explorative. Like when I'm just gonna be painting and like adding things and just kind of exploring the way the paint feels. So it just depends on the time of the day, but that's kind of the routine that keeps me in check. I gotta have my walk, I gotta have my art. Yeah, I also do like the same thing. Like I always wake up, do like a few stretches, if not yoga. And then at night, like I have like the other ship, like Breathwork app, which has really like helped me just like stay present. And also like as an artist, like I get so sensitive with high stimulant places. So it's really difficult to like, okay, now at this certain time, I'm going to like, you know, wind down. So like having breath work, you know, focusing on your breath is like super important to stay away from these mirror worlds. Like we're so often on our phones Mm -hmm. to like finally like put it down, you know, and just feel what's in our body and I love that you said that because that's exactly it. I think a lot of us are very empathetic people. Mm -hmm. We go into the art world having emotional injuries that have made us a certain way. We feel a lot. Making space for that safety again, right? Away from the phone, away from the TV, away from the alcohol from things that distract you, from overeating, from sleeping in, right? These things that distract you and like making space for that breath work and connecting that is when your art is able to be channeled. Mm-hmm. So I love that, that you said that. Yeah. Do you also do something similar? Like- yeah, I, I do meditation and breath work as well. I also, you know, go to therapy. <laughs> I, I do inner relational focusing where you kind of tune in with the body and like check in with the parts and the felt senses. So these kinds of practices, you know, or going to other ship, right? Going and like being in a sauna, being in the cold, being with yourself, like tuning the world out, these things, that's what allows you to channel that creative self and in that authentic way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like sitting down and like, you know, focusing yeah. on everything that's happening inside your nervous system, everything like that. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Oftentimes, like we feel like we have to stigmatize therapy when it's really just like bringing awareness like how you feel what your thoughts are saying to you and everything yeah yeah I think that it's changing these days I think a lot of people are now admitting that yeah of course I'm in therapy oh you're not what do you mean right (laughs) so it's kind of like it's switching around a little bit more with the younger generation Um, but at the same time yeah like why would you deprive yourself of a space that's just for you Mm -hmm. one hour a week or one hour every two weeks. It's all about you. And maybe that's that's the scary part because it is all about you. And now you have to focus on what's inside mm-hmm. instead of running away from it, right? But um, again, the stigma and the reality of it are very different. It can be so cool to learn about why you do the things you do. Mm-hmm. Not because you have to be fixed, but because, oh, I know what my triggers are. Now I know how to tell someone that this is triggering me? Or how do I set boundaries? There's many things we haven't been taught as children that therapy just allows us to do. And again, that therapy and art therapy, right? Isn't it so cool to make art in therapy? Like, I just think that's amazing. And that's like, that's where I'm at. Uh, But there's many ways of engaging with yourself in that way. What are some mindful practices you use daily? The art making, the nature, and the breath work and meditation are mm-hmm. the biggest things for me. But like in the nature thing, it's very simple. It really doesn't take very long. But can you just sit and like look at all the colors? 
and all the textures and the movement of the water. And can you just tune into the soothing way that nature actually is made for this purpose? Mm -hmm. It has always been there. It's like we forgot that has always been there and has always had this healing way of being. Okay, go hug a tree. Like, mm -hmm. literally, feel what it is like to have the emotions drain out of you and into nature that can't handle it. But you're just one being. That's really cool. Yeah, just like attuning to like yeah. your five senses that you're yeah. like God's given you. Yeah. It's just to like be inspired by like what's their surrounding instead of like, you know, being so coped up on like social media. Yeah. yeah it's it's really like... Good. The way I want, it's like being this, like being able to do like this and like tune into everything. Mm -hmm. And then instead of being like this, because when you're just sitting on social media, you're in this little, little bubble and there's nothing else. You're tuned out. When you're tuned out, you cannot check in with yourself. You actually don't know what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's even like cultivating like a higher, like a larger mindset as well. Yeah. 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 So the everything can, mm -hmm. yeah. the higher self. Can you pinpoint a defining moment in your life that has significant impact or played a role in shaping you to be the inspiring individual you are today? <laughs> inspiring individual. One big element is I remember learning about art therapy in art school. Hmm. One of my friends was talking about it and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, probably never, never happened. Like I wasn't at the right point. And then I had a pretty rough relationship. And during that time, I wanted to go to Taddy, go do art therapy, and I just, I wasn't able to. Moments that like change you, moments that either divert the path or bring you back on the right path that you're meant to be on, those moments will feel tingly. They're gonna feel warm and safe and lovely and tingly. You're gonna feel like you have to do it. There's nothing that can go wrong. And that's a moment where I remember going to Taddy and I sat there during a, uh, an intercession just to learn about what art therapy even is. I had no idea what it was. I'm like, what is this even, right? And I had that feeling and I knew that I had to do it. I couldn't not. And when you can not, not do it, that's when you know that you have to go on that path and it's going to take you somewhere. And, and that was a life-changing moment for me. And I know I, I have healed so much. I'm obviously not done healing, but like I've healed so many of my parts to be able to be here today. And it changed me completely as a person and as an artist as well. That's so inspiring. Yeah. Yes, that I'm so proud of you. You tuned into like what your intuition was telling you and you just like went for it, yeah. which was really brave. Yeah. Thank you. If we listen, intuition always tells you that something's wrong or something's not wrong. So can we listen to it? And can we just like follow that path? It will always take us to the right place. Sometimes it might be bumpy and like weird, but like it's gonna get you there if you listen to that voice. I agree. How did your upbringing shape you as an artist? Yeah, that's, that was interesting because like I am Polish, right? So so Eastern Europe is like has a specific way of, of creating art. My mom, when I was younger, she would always draw these princesses for me. She would draw these flowers and things and they were very specific in that kind of folk style. And this is what I grew up, with, uh, grew up with. Our styles are very similar. So I think a lot of her expression actually really impacted me to the point I didn't understand until later on in life. Uh, wherever you grow up and however you do it, it really kind of gets embedded into your psyche. And then you subconsciously make art that looks like that. Uh, that was a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. 
possibly because like lived experiences and like even the thing the surroundings that you keep seeing yeah you know exactly yeah the colors you know the the folk outfits the way that people present themselves right grandma's artwork my grandfather was a painter so it's like yeah a lot of that i think does influence you and now i'm here right i wouldn't be here without them yeah shapes who you are why do you create i create because i have to okay <laughs> i have to it's not because someone tells me that I have to. It's because otherwise I wouldn't be me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be Natalie. I would be a puddle on the floor if I didn't make art. You know, it's, it's this inner urge. When you're thirsty, you really have to drink water. You have to because you have that urge. You, you have to because you're human and you have to survive. And I feel like I just have to make art because otherwise like, I would just like, I don't know, I would lose it. So I have to get it out because it sits. It sits there, and in order to process what's sitting inside, and in order to let it go, I need to bring it out in through my hands. My hands are the way that I process things in the world. I do it because I love it, and I do it because I physically have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how you were talking about like all the stimulants and everything, and we like have it all bottled up. We like we want to get it out, and like your way is just like yeah. drawing and like through painting, and yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, something, something. Can be any. It can be anything. Sculpture, right? It could be. Like, there's so many movement, yes. physical activity, whatever it is. There's there's ways to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As an artist, how do you navigate the vulnerability of sharing your creative work with others? Yeah, I think that's a big one. I've been thinking about it. So in art school, oh, for so many years, it was the cringiest experience. It was so uncomfortable because in every life drawing class and every every life painting class where you had to paint the model and I, could, I couldn't relax into the art process. I was constantly tense and I was just trying to do it right and it just wasn't coming up right. And the teachers, you know, trying to correct you and it's like this whole back and forth of like you're just sitting there for three hours and you're just uncomfortable and you're not making your best work. A lot of us feel that way, right? with people seeing our work online, in person, during the process, we feel that way. And I think the journey took me to a point where now I have taught my inner child that it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks about my artwork because it's none of their business. Mm -hmm. And I used to really internalize criticism, right? And that comes again, that comes in like the way that we're treated in childhood and in school, like the way the teachers approach us. But I feel like I'm lucky to have gotten to a point where I process a lot of that. And now it's like, you don't have to like it. You don't have to like me. I like me. You're never going to please everyone ever. No, you're never going to be everyone's friend and not everyone is going to love your artwork. And that is the reality. And if we can teach this reality with softness to our inner parts, then we kind of get to a place where we're confident just doing the work that we do and knowing that it, it will continue growing and take us on another journey. I think the biggest concept that I'm kind of trying to grapple with here is the idea that you know it's gonna be okay. Yeah, it's just, it will be fine, you're okay, you're safe, you just keep doing what you're doing and it will take you further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, like even outside of like the artist world, like you have to build that resilience. So take in that criticism. Sometimes it's not helpful criticism, and they're just trying to bring you down yeah. because they're seeing it from their perspective yeah. and they're in that stigmatized mindset. I think for the first I don't know how many years, six, seven years of of my career, I couldn't really. I, I kind of liked it a little bit, but I couldn't truly accept my art. 
because I couldn't accept myself. When you get to a point where you can accept yourself as for who you are, that coincides at the same time with being able to accept the artwork for what it is, because that's what it is. You, can't sur you cannot surgically change your brain and you shouldn't surgically try to change your art into what it isn't. Yeah. It is what it is and you are who you are and you can continue growing. You can't be someone else and you shouldn't be someone else. You can be, be inspired, but embracing who you are is gonna take you so much further. Mm -hmm. That was a beautiful answer. And how do you navigate through difficult emotions? I know I, I will sound like a broken record, but like I figured out what works. And if I go get movement and go sit in nature, it will resolve itself. Everyone has a different way of processing. And, I've, and I, I like to talk about my feelings. Imagine this. Imagine we have like a ball of emotion and it's like this and it's chaos. And you know something like that is happening and then for me if i start talking about it it slows down and then i'm like oh wait organize 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 and it's like oh all of a sudden it's more linear so figure out what your way of processing is mm -hmm. that's lovely advice yeah um how has your mental health impacted your artistic process for so many years you know i was struggling with mental health a lot and for so many years, my artwork really reflected that. So if you look at my past art, um, red, black, and white, very, very linear, very contained, right? Um, that, that was really a reflection of what I was going through on the inside, but I didn't know. I didn't understand because that was also the beginning of my career and I thought this is Natalie Verbi. Everybody knows her as that. These are the colors. We can recognize her style, blah, blah, blah. But people were, didn't know I was really struggling, really struggling emotionally uh, in, in relationships, in life. Um, so that period of time was reflected in my artwork. And it took me many years to find color again. Mm -hmm. That was the most uncomfortable thing I had to do is like when I knew I wanted to reach for color and I couldn't. I just couldn't. Um, and now I got to a point where it's like, all the colors, please. I'm not afraid of color now. Look at your artwork. How does it reflect your inner conflict? How does it reflect what's happening on the inside? Is it flowy? Is it kind of stuck? Like, is it contained? Is it big? Like, what are the emotions, right? So yeah, my mental health and my art always have been aligned. Mm -hmm. And I can speak with that as well. It's like even like growing up and everything i was like oh i only gravitate to like the monochrome colors i was like yeah this is like the black and white is my style and even like the way i was dressing too like we're often like dressed in black and white we're yeah. like yeah. you know i'm i would never wear something like that and now it's just like you're expanding your wardrobe <laughs> you're like this is how i'm going to show up today and this is you know how you come as you are yes so, yeah that's absolutely so it's interesting that you also went through that kind of journey it's like oh just different kinds of medium and color right and how that reflects of how you feel on the inside mm -hmm. and the outfits ways. too yeah different ways of expression yeah it's all about that can you recall a specific instance where you stepped out of your comfort zone despite feeling uh discomfort or fear yeah i think okay one of the biggest ones was collaboration mm. one of my really good friends um it was our first collaboration ever and i I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to work with another person and still be me. It was kind of like, oh, like, you're gonna take a piece of me when, when I share the process. I had no idea. And actually, if anyone 
listening has you know ever or wants to attempt collaboration i think it's such a such a beautiful and rich process but it's very tricky because you have to consider them the other person and their artwork so all of a sudden you have to find a space where your artwork meets and and then how do you navigate the idea of like stepping over someone and like making space for both of you equally and it's like do you just divide it 50 50 or are you able to make space for the flow and ebb of like oh i'm painting here and you're painting there and i paint over yours and you paint over mine and we're creating this beautiful artwork um but in hindsight you know it's it's like okay i know it worked i know that collaboration is amazing you need to work it out but like that was extremely uncomfortable for me i didn't know how to do it uh, I'm glad I did, and I learned over time, and it really leads to beautiful things. It, it's, it goes beyond what you can do as one person. Every time you are with other people, you come to a place of like richening and expansion. If you just allow them in, and you kind of let go of that judgment, and let go of that like trying to guard yourself from somebody else's influence, where it can actually be beautiful and, um, and teach you so much about you. Mm -hmm. I feel like every single experience that you like collaborate with different people, you're learning different things yeah. about them as well as you're learning about yourself. It's a very vulnerable process, especially now that you're sharing this this baby yeah. of an artwork. I know, yeah. right? And then and then people have to see it, mm -hmm. right? And you're like, oh gosh, like is that me? Is that her? Is that us? What's going on? It's right? a co-creation. Yeah, a beautiful one though. <laughs> what motivated you to take that leap, and what did you learn from that experience? I think money was a big thing, right? Was a motivator. Uh, because we all have to, as artists, I think we take a lot of leaps when we're getting paid. And I am grateful for that because it can be a motivator. Uh, and what I learned about me is that I can adapt, I can adjust, I can be with someone and share space and not feel so threatened. And I think the biggest one from that experience was um, communication. How do you communicate with another person in a kind and gentle way while still maintaining the boundaries of what you're comfortable with? Communication and collaboration is really key in, in any art practice or any, any other collaboration practice. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. From that, what do you cherish more than ever? From that, freedom. Freedom. Freedom to allow people to be themselves and freedom to feel like I am me. And being okay with that. Yeah, just like how you authentically show up and you creating. My first thought was like, I would go to my 12-year-old self. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and just like letting her know, like things will work out. Like it sucks right now. It really sucks. And I know it's hurtful and painful. Um, but I've been there. We, we, we went through it. We got over it. And we got to a place that is amazing. So... Um, I think that kind of knowledge that things will work out would help my younger self a lot in, in kind of persevering through all the obstacles. Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially at a young age, you're like, you, you don't know, like you don't have that clarity and like everything feels very new, you're experimenting, you don't know what feels right because we're not often taught like the tools to like tune into ourselves and understand like what's going on. So that's really beautiful. What would you What would you tell her? I would tell her to keep making art, I love to that. not stop, mm -hmm. because she stopped, because she felt like she wasn't worth it, mm -hmm. like her art was shitty. She's been told that she wasn't good enough, 
And I hope that my voice would encourage her to just never stop because it really doesn't matter how shitty it is. You just have to keep going. It will be shitty for a long time until it isn't. I don't think art can be shitty. I think it's like in the end of the day, it's like you're here expressing like a message, whether it's like a through a five second sketch or like you put in a lot of hours. It's like this is the way that you show up and you're, you know, it's just in different ways that we're communicating. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like that. Would your inner child be proud of who you grew up to be? She is. Again, I want to like highlight the fact that these parts don't go away. They never go away. They're always here. Um, so she is feeling fulfilled and I'm allowing her to do the things she's always loved. And that is me in the context of wholesomeness. So yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, she gets to come out and play and like still hold that essence inside you and who you like became to be yeah. as you grew up. Yeah. That's really beautiful. How do you approach self-care as an artist, particularly when it comes to maintaining your mental health? What comes to my mind when you ask that question is like the idea of feeling artistically blocked when we're experiencing difficult emotions. Yes. That idea of like, there is nothing there, right? It's like, I can't make art. I will never make art again. That stuckness really correlates with two options. Number one, it can be too scary to express what's really happening. And that's why the art is telling you no way or something in you is telling you, no, we can't do it. And the other option is that it's time for rest because you can art yourself out. I've been there. It's like you make so much art. You deserve a break. You don't have to be making art every single moment of every single day. There's a balance that has to be found there. Making space for rest. You don't always have to be making art or thinking about art. You also can be you and just do not nothing. It's literally an art style, like being idle. Like my mundane task I love to do is like washing dishes. Yes. Just because like you have so many ideas like pop yes. up in your head from that. And I love that you're talking about like the point of no return, kind of like I can't ever make art. It's like this burnout. And like we often don't know how to like pinpoint it in our body so like yes definitely having that self-care like resting doing like mundane tasks whatever mm -hmm. you're you do to like recover from that and then get inspired again and restart those processes yes a lot of young people don't understand that you always come back from it well, i think when you're a young artist you may have not experienced enough of these ups and downs to know that you always return and when you experience enough of it, you, it's kind of like experiencing enough seasons. Yes, after winter, there's always spring, mm -hmm. right? It's like once we learn that, you're kind of like, okay, like I'm gonna go through winter now. That's my winter, I'm hibernating on the inside. But spring will come when spring comes. Mm -hmm. It might be a little bit later, a little bit sooner, each year, it depends, right? It always happens. I think that gives a little bit more certainty to people that it, you, there, you can come back. I love that imagery, yes. I can definitely relate to that. How do you refill your creative inspiration? For me, it's going places and talking to people, especially going places that you would not normally go to. On a base level, go to a new cafe, go to an art gallery, hang out with your friends at the park. You know, that's, that's, you can do that at any point. Um, that can give you new stimulus because once you once you're kind of like stuck in your routine of going to work going to school going back home it's like it's the same yeah and once it's the same we are not getting enough of anything to pull from it 
to continue getting inspired. But if we create a variety of like flavors, scents, conversations, I think that brings new ideas. So for me, I actually, I, I plan a cabin, cabin getaways very often. And I go, uh, go and like sit in nature, go away from the city to a new place, you know, and that brings me so, so much inspiration. Nothing else can do that. But art galleries as well. Go and see different kinds of styles. Go through like a picture book, that, and like see what you like and how you can pull those bits into your own art practice. Enjoy the experiment. Nothing to lose. Right? Mm -hmm. Just like getting away, like yeah. as you're saying, like just getting a nice retreat, like treating yourself. Self-care is really important. It's really vital for you to, you know, step out of your comfort zone and just relax a little bit and then come back. Like oftentimes we have better ideas because we opened up our perspectives. Yes, exactly. It's like this and we just kind of let a little bit light in and then it's like, oh, oh, and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it will close back, back down and it will open up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about the process. In what ways do you believe the connection between the mind and body influence your ability to overcome challenges or setbacks? I, I think that, you know, the mind and body connection is like the, the ultimate thing that humans are made of, mm -hmm. that we forget about. The, the mind cannot really exist without the body as much, and the, the body cannot, in the context of humanity, it really cannot really exist without the mind either. Like, it's not either or, it's both always at the same time. Does it happen at the same time? No. We numb out a lot, right? We numb the body, again, through all sorts of stuff, right? Whether it's social media, eating, drinking, whatever it is. We numb the body and we stay in the mind. But when we do that, we don't have the experience, the full experience of the self in the world. One's mind notices a setback, right? Or a challenge and you're like, okay, okay, okay. I have a thing, I have to deal with this now. If you are able to cognitively grapple that and then bring the body awareness and then merge them together, that gives you a lot more insight into how to navigate it because the body can tell you the body can tell you that you're navigating something and which way to go. The body can tell you go left or right. Like you can, if you tune into that and the mind can follow, but the mind is also such a, like, I think a lot of time we try to be like, oh no, you only have to stay in the body and, and then we forget about the mind. It's, it's not good enough. But like, we really need both because we are such special, amazing creatures that have the gift of intelligence. We just have to continue to bring ourselves back into this and like drop in and have, have a wholesome experience. And that's when you can navigate challenges a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said, yeah. And how do you recognize and address signs of stress, burnout, or even emotional exhaustion in yourself? So I think with this question, I want to invite people who are watching to mm -hmm. think about how do you know you're getting to a place of burnout or stress, right? How do you know? For myself, I know I'm, I'm starting to numb out. I'm start, starting to check out. Things are like getting overwhelming. The lights are too much. The sounds are too much. I cannot really be around people. I'm, I'm getting less social. That's, or I cannot make art. That's when I know that things are shifting. So if you know your signs, you can now gravitate towards strategies that work. And for everyone that's gonna, as we talked about, the strategy is go, going to be different, but like, can you notice at the first few little signs that something's not, something's wrong? 
Are you going into a spiral? Are you going into like numbing, right? Are you getting angry? Like, where are you in your window of tolerance? So, and then just use strategies that work for you. And I love that you talked about window of tolerance. That's like really important. Checking in like um, how you were feeling. Like for me, when I feel burnout, I feel like there's this point of no return. Like I don't even want to like get out of bed sometimes. And that's happens when like, you know, there's a lot of things that's on yeah. the line, like exam seasons, yeah. a lot of different things that are like, you know, high pressure, yeah. definitely recover and open up your, your broad of perspective. And I appreciate you said that because we all go through that. And I think uh, it's important to talk about it and normalize it. Mm-hmm. It's a very human thing to do, especially yeah. like on social media. It's like everyone puts out like their best self and yeah. like, you know, this is my nine to five and like they're always go, go, go. But it's like, you know, you also have to account for like days that, you know, you're not always your 100 percent and that's OK. Yeah. yeah. And give yourself that space to not be OK mm-hmm. and find little ways that will bring you back up, 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 up until you're back into your zone do you want to talk about the exam and like your even like your accomplishments that you've like made in like this past year it's funny so i think i'll briefly talk about like my the approach of what i i i used to have and i'm slowly letting go of is the approach is that i have to get to the next thing okay i did this and then I graduated here, I did that and that and that, and then I next thing and next thing and next thing. And with that next thing, maybe I'll finally feel good about me. Always chasing the next thing, right? Next accomplishment, but never really sitting with what I just accomplished mm-hmm. and taking it in and celebrating it and being like, oh, this is a good spot to be in. I don't have to go anywhere else yet because I just want to celebrate this moment. So I'm going to give you the the overview is that um, so I started my graduate degree in 2019. I graduated last November, finished my thesis, finished all my hours. um, And I've been working as an art therapist since I opened up my private practice in January of this year and it's been going really well. I love doing that work. And now I I just got the news that I uh, passed my registration exam for a registered psychotherapist. So I'm going to be transitioning my title like in within the next couple of months, which is really awesome. And I've been wanting to do that so badly. And the exam was really tough. I was studying for a very long time and it was really scary. And so I remember just like feeling so horrible about it. So now where I want to go with this is that, yes, I'm sitting here. I just got the news and I'm going to be transferring. I'm going to be going up the career ladder to the goals I've always wanted. And I'm like, can I now like just sit back and like take it in? Mm-hmm. And this is the, the changing point where I don't think I was here two months ago. I wasn't even like able to just sit with that accomplishment two months ago and let it fill my cup and not feel like it's not enough. Because we're often like, so go, go, go. Like, what's the next thing that yep. I have to do? And we're not really like staying in tune to ourselves and like, like, hey, this was actually a really big deal. Or like, I'm going to invite some friends and like, you know, go out and, you know, make this a big deal. Yeah. Like now, if, if not, if I hadn't done this before. Yeah. It's all about the process as well. I'm really cherishing these little moments and more and more like, and you also mem- like you remember it a lot deeper as well. Like yes. you add this like this happy emotion yes. to this, really cultivating the emotional mm. entombment. Celebrate, close the chapter, and move on to the next chapter. That is something that I don't think we do enough. Even the feeling of uncertainty of like what's the next thing. It's like that's also really exciting as well. 
depending on your mindset, it could be very like anxiety based, yes. or it could be something super exciting. Like it's it's all on the table, and you just have to like go and explore and find it. Exactly, and you let go of the next thing, of the uncertainty, of the anxiety, of like what, what if, what if, checking the emails, right? Let go of that. I swear to God, things flow in always. Do you have to trust that it will work out? And that trust can only be taught either by your caregivers or by yourself later in life. And, and that, I think, allows you to, to be in the moment and celebrate beauty instead of moving to the next thing. What is one tip you would offer university students to start prioritizing today? If I'm thinking about myself when I was at OCAD, I would say, number one, just make art for you. Make space to make art that is, has nothing to do with your coursework. And then really prioritizing your mental health. Mm -hmm. Really taking care to, really making sure you take care of that in whatever way that is. I don't remember all the exams I did. All the papers I wrote. There's no, no recollection of that yeah. in my mind. But how was I like with other people? How was I like in classes? How was I like with my own art? That is what stays. Like as long as we have like cultivate this like resilient mindset, we can like conquer anything. Absolutely, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, so sweet. Get a feel of your energy and like to hear a little bit about your artistic style. Um, what are some tangible exercises we can incorporate into our daily routine? One of the cool exercises would be to use breath work with drawing at the same time. Is something that's very accessible. You can do it anywhere. Um, in your sketchbook, you can start drawing a spiral. And, and then with each breath in, you spiral in. With each breath out, you spiral out. And you just go over this as many times as you want. And you pay attention to slowing the breath down as much as you possibly can. Nourishes the nervous system, brings the oxygen in, brings the oxy oxytocin in. And like you just stay with the texture. You're paying attention to the present moment and you can ground yourself. And again, you can do this even in class if you're feeling overwhelmed, right? If you're like, oh, okay, I have a moment. I need to do my little thing, right? Doodling is another great thing. It's like uh, a lot of the time, I feel like we don't talk enough about that. It's like when you, a lot of people who are very visual, in order to process information, they actually need to visually focus on something. So doodling while you're listening is actually a really great way of taking information in. Do a morning check-in, right? Grab your art supplies. What colors are you feeling like right now? Without the judgment. Maybe you're feeling purple and yellow and green. And like, how is that going to show up as a shape? Or just an energy sketch. Energy sketches can be such an easy way to check in with your body and with your mind. And then you have a tangible record of what happened and where you're at. Super easy and you can do it anywhere. I love that. Those are really tangible exercises and they don't cost a lot either. No. A lot of times like artists think that it's like you're going to go bankrupt when it's like yeah. all you need is really just like a pen and paper. That's it. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. We'll definitely like try this, these exercises out so then we can teach our viewers to use them as well. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Bye. Let's make some art. We're going to start with your breath in and you're just trying to match it. Get to the end of the spiral on your breath in and then on the breath out, going back out. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Just reach for what feels right, as I'm not going to let that inner critic overthink things. 
only play evolving. 